Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Eleven to one with Gilmore's Mercedes-Benz Kings Court. Visit our showrooms to see the amazing range of Mercedes-Benz cars, or choose from our huge selection of used Mercedes-Benz vehicles. Gilmore's Mercedes-Benz Kings Court, the best in motoring, here for you. LMFM. Sinead Brazel on LMFM. This is LMFM's 11 to 1. Sinead Brazel here with you. Whitney Houston, saving all my love for you. Kicking us off this morning. You can get in touch 086-1800-658 on WhatsApp and text. And there's plenty of feel-good chat and music on the way for you. Now, I did come in on top of my colleagues this morning in the studio (laughs) when an argument that was going on. Well, kind of a discussion, a heated discussion. And what was the heated discussion over? Well, it was none other than the recent rumoured relationship between Angelina Jolie and Paul Meskel. I mean, you know, I thought it would be (laughs) nothing more juicier than a bit of gossip. And uh, they were talking about the fact that um, now look, this is a rumoured relationship, by the way, if you're new to this. Apparently, Angelina Nina Jolie and Paul Meskel of Normal People were snapped having a cup of coffee so of course that instantly means they're in the relationship and not perhaps discussing a role or just mutual admiration of each other's work. I mean, this is what happens. But anyway, the guys are talking about the double standards, you know, because lots of people are going, oh my God, Angelina Jolie, younger man, what's she at? You know, and it's all kind of very heavily criticised, critiqued of her, you know, dating a younger man. Uh, Whereas, you know, for Paul Meskel, it's like, oh yeah, go on, go for it, guy. You know, it's like this double standard thing. And, you know, you rarely have it where you'll have, you know, men criticise, say, as much, as much if they were dating younger uh, women. Like, I mean, also Billie Eilish, there's a huge uh, kind of conversation around her relationship. She's dating a guy that's 10 years older. But again, all the sort of um, critique is aimed at Billie Eilish more so. So we're talking about this this morning, the double standards and the guys are getting very heated about this as they went out the door. But yes, like, look, I don't think they're going to be a couple personally. Angelina Jolie, Paul Meskel, I don't really see it. But look, if it is, fair play to them. They had this kind of argument as well over Aaron Taylor Johnson and oh my God, I can't think of his wife's name. That's dreadful now. I have her in my head. It'll come to me in a second. But they had that, you know, argument as well and they've stood the test of time. They have stood the test of time. Well, in Hollywood standards, what is it, about 10 years or something that they're married? But what is it about this? You know, women who are older, when they date younger men, they are criticised more, particularly women, obviously, in the public eye. We were very quick to backlash on them, aren't we? And kind of go, oh, it's awful or whatever. Uh, wondering what your thoughts are on this. Do you see it? Do you think there is a double standard? Are women who date younger men more sort of critiqued? Do we sort of judge them more? Let me know your thoughts on this. 086-1800-658. Or do you think that it's codswallop. Do you think that, you know, look, men get just as much of a slack on this as well, particularly if they date somebody younger than them. Would love to know your thoughts. 086-1800-658. And no doubt, we'll have plenty of the paparazzi photographs. Yeah, of Angelina Jolie and Paul Meskel. Time will tell. Here's Lady Gaga. There's Lady Gaga with paparazzi and LMFM's 11 to 1. We're talking about the fact, you know, well, is there? double standards when women date a younger man. Aren't they criticised a bit more? What's your thoughts on this? Uh, message coming in. Don't know who it's from, but 086-1800-658. Sinead, my husband is 15 years my junior. People fussed a lot about it when we first started dating, but it just kind of panned out. Okay. Right, there you go. Uh, somebody saying, I definitely agree women criticised more for dating a younger guy. Um, Tracy says, is it to do with women kind of are normally seen as nurturing or motherly so people get weird about it? Yes. Is that it? We're talking about this because uh, apparently Paul Meskel 
and Angelina Jolie are dating in inverted commas. They're not really. They're in a coffee shop together. But of course, the internet's gone into overdrive. And we're talking about the fact that everyone's gone on about the age difference, particularly criticising, you know, the fact that maybe Angelina Jolie might find Paul Meskel, who's substantially younger, uh, attractive. Do you know? So we're talking about this. Uh, so Tracy's saying, is it because women are normally seen as motherly or nurturing? Interesting. Interesting. Is that why we're weird about it? Uh, somebody's just weird about them being a couple. Definitely don't see them as a couple. Not the age thing. It's just weird. It is a bit of an odd pairing. But you know what? The heart wants what the heart wants. If that's what's going on, like, let them at it. That's what I say. Yeah, hopefully just let them be happy, really, isn't that it? Do keep those coming in, though, 86 658 We're going to uh, take a quick break. We're back with music from Ed Sheeran. Some more of your messages coming in at 086-1800-658 about the age differences. We'll get to them very shortly. But first, back to the music. Here's Ed Sheeran and LMFM's 11 to 1. Yeah, Ed Sheeran shivers. Is Paul Meskel giving Angelina Jolie the shivers? I don't know. I don't know. But the internet is a light with the possibility that they could be dating. It's also a light about the possibility or the, the, the fact that Angelina Jolie is substantially older than Paul Meskel. And there's a lot of people kind of being critical about this, you know, particularly towards her. So I'm asking you about the double standards, you know. Aren't we more critical when we see an older woman going after, you know, a younger guy? Uh, this uh, message is coming in on 86 Betty in Malahide says... Hi Sinead, about young men and older women. If an older man gets a young woman, the men admire them. But we all know men never grow up at 40. They think they're 20 at 60. They think they're 40 at 80 and they're middle-aged. <laughs> Thanks, Betty in Malahide. Uh, Flame and Eamon says, what about the darling buds, Catherine Zeta and Michael Douglas? They definitely stood the test of time. They did. They did. And there's a huge furore around that at the time as well because uh, she's younger. But, you know... I don't know. I think there's more like it was kind of more like, oh, you know, the the like the age difference was more kind of like, um, what does she see in him being older? Again, it was going back to, you know, the, the women kind of being critical of the woman. Uh, John uh, says, and I love this, it shouldn't uh, make one bit of difference. If the man or woman is of older age, it's just a number. If both parties are happy and in love, that's all that matters. I know men who are married to younger women and women who are married to younger men and they're all happy. One couple are together over 20 years and the woman is 24 years older. Love doesn't have an age limit between couples. Yes. Too right, John. Thank you so much for that. Do keep those coming in. 86 658 Here's the chorus for you now. I would love to love you. Love to love you. Now, the new year is the time where we go a bit gung-ho, don't we, on resolutions. And if you have a burning ambition to set up a business, it's something, to be honest with you, that's kind of been like the very back of my mind at times. Now, I don't know if I just have notions. I probably do. But whether you have notions or you have an actual plan in place, there is help at hand for this because we're going to be joined by Fiona Sherlock. She would have joined us in the past to chat about uh, her novels and also her brilliant online business, Bespoke Mysteries. And in fact, Bespoke Murder Mystery won the Online Business of the Year Award last year, uh, last month, sorry, at Meads Business and Tourism Awards. So Fiona is going to be putting on a workshop for people who want to set up an online business. So, you know, it's time now. New year. You have this idea, but you don't know what to do. Fiona's going to help. She's going to chat to us all about this just after these. There's Brian Adams, summer of 69. I think we have our technical glitches fixed. Fiona Sherlock is back with us. Fiona, your <laughs> apologies for that. I think we have you We have you on the line there properly now. The joys of living in the countryside <laughs> and trying to run a business. So yes, I think I think we're back now, although I was yes. enjoying that bit of Brian Adams. Oh, uh, listen, we've not, nothing like a nice bit of in, a musical interlude. But, you know, new year, new kind of time to be motivated and to get kickstarted on something like this. So, you know, this is for people really who have a burning ambition to, to set up a business, isn't it? Absolutely. And I suppose it's from my own experience uh, that, that I decided to host host this workshop next month and um, you know basically about five years ago I was working in a, a corporate PR job 
and I really wanted to be a writer and I just had my first daughter and I just really stressed out and I thought, is there any sort of escape route here? Mm. You know, is there any way to kind of get out of the nine to five? So I did a lot of reading about entrepreneurship. My family are all business people and I figured out, okay, well, there has to be, there has to be a way. So I started to write murder mystery games and a few people got word that they they were fun and a few people bought them for me so I decided to retail them online so they're printable kits that people download and off they go and play with it so the first year or two um, I put in all my all my spare time I just stopped the Netflix Um, I didn't have money to invest essentially I had my time to invest so I learned all the sort of skills that I needed to do over the next two or three years. The business grew and grew, and then I was able to leave my other job, and it sort of is is my main source of income now. And wow, like that's the like, dream. What you've just said there is the absolute dream. But you've mentioned something very, very key. You stopped yeah. the Netflix. So in other words, you stop the distractions. You, you like at the end of the day, we might all want these things, but you have to look at our, your life. And like when people use all the same excuses of, oh, I don't have time. You know what I mean? Don't have time. I don't have money. You didn't have time because you have a, a busy, <laughs> a busy job. You have a busy family life. You're also after mentioning there that you didn't have the startup capital. So these are not excuses we can use then, Fiona. <laughs> That's it. You know, that's it. It's the for for years I started to get up at half four or five in the morning wow. before work, and uh, just put the time into writing, writing, writing the games so that I could sell them online. Um, and it, it does. You do have to take the pain. You have yeah. to take the pain to kind of get the gain, and it can be slow to come through. And this is kind of what how I'll explain um, the process. Um, at the workshop you know you mightn't see the returns for a while you might be you might have worked an extra you know 40 hours Mm. working on your own project at the end of the month you get might get 30 euro but you know the plan is that in in years to come once you've kind of built the business and that you're your earning potential sort of increases so then you know it replaces your salary and more you know that's 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 the sort of the objective there. And when you saw the first kind of trickling in of customers or even just people surf, surfing the, the, the site, having a look around and then eventually buying the products, that must have been just thrilling. It, it was it was magical. It was magical. And I sell, I sell my mystery games on Etsy and on the Etsy sellers app every time a sale is made. The little notification is ka-ching. Oh, I love it's it. The sound, <laughs> it's, the sound of, uh, it's the sound of a till. And I remember it was Christmas three or four years ago and it had been a slow year, but a little a little bit of sales trickling in. But I remember one day and it was like the phone kept going ka-ching, Oh, ka-ching, wow. I ka-ching. love that. And it was so special. It was so special. And it was really then last month when I had uh, I was so lucky and grateful to, to to win that online and e-commerce award at the Mead Business and Tourism Awards with such stiff competition and such an amazing array of businesses. And I'm very grateful to the uh, Mead Chronicle and the sponsors like Devonish for 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 hosting it and, and shortlisting me and loads of other sponsors too. Don't upset anybody. Um, but really, it was it was at, in that process I had to go in and pitch. You know the reason why I should win. Yeah. Um, in front of all the other participants in front of AIB in two minutes. Um, And it was really kind of thinking about that story and presenting that story that spurred out a lot of conversations. You know, people came up to me and said, I was very interested in what you heard and I'd love to, you know, build a business for myself. Um, And it was just kind of those conversations with people that made me think, okay, well, maybe I should host a workshop. Yeah. Yeah, host a workshop in the new year. Um, and hopefully share share you know something that might help people and like I'm being very honest that you know there is pain you do need to put the time in yeah. and there is no instant return because that's that's the, that you know that's a you got to put your shoulders to the wheel, don't you? You really do uh, for things to come to fr- to fruition. So what stage do people need to be at, though? Like if somebody just had an idea, is that OK? Or if somebody, you know, has it kind of like a notion, like I would have, Fiona. Somebody with notions now. But start Plenty of notions, Nate. Plenty of notions. <laughs> so it doesn't matter if the, if it's just an idea, essentially. Absolutely. No, and, and the, the kind of the first part of the workshop would be, you know, to try and understand where people are coming from, where their experience lies, what their overall objectives, you know, financially, but with life. Yeah. 
um, and, and just to try and get a sense of, okay, well, where are we coming from? What are our motivations? What sort of time do we have available? What resources are available? So, yeah, I mean, from an early idea stage to being kind of further along the along the lines, and then we kind of dial into that process a little bit more. And I will say, like, I hadn't any experience of running an online business. And mm. the great thing is these days, if you have the time, if you find the time, you can learn all of the skills that you need from video editing to search engine optimization to, you know, creating digital products. There's so many resources out there. Um, so my main objective with the workshop is really to give people a good roadmap and a steer, um, you know, for how they're going to go about about putting their plan into place. And hopefully then, you know, a couple of months, years down the line, if there is that additional income coming in, there is maybe it, it takes off and, and, you know, that's the, the job left behind. And it's just yeah. one less thing to kind of worry about. Yeah, that's so the I, overall dream, isn't it? To be working for yourself. And, and you know, like you say there, it's, the, it's the, having it all kind of clearly mapped out for people. Because like I mentioned at the start, some people were quick to kind of find excuses because there's that fear, isn't there? There is a bit of a fear, you know, that kind of holds us back from doing these things how did you overcome that and did you experience fear at all when you when you tentatively started out absolutely Sinead. I, I and to be honest I think as an entrepreneur it's a process and anyone yeah. who wants to have a growth mindset mindset is constantly looking for things well where am I challenged here where am I limiting myself here and and you know taking that big step um to start your own business there's all of the things that, you know, society has told you that, you know, you need to have a good steady job and you need to be able to pay the mortgage. You need to have, you know, security there, yeah. longevity there. So it, it takes a lot to kind of dig deep internally and overcome it. I'm lucky my family, I come from a family of entrepreneurs, but it still took, uh, it's still, uh, they were all very hesitant when I said I'm going out on my own. <laughs> That's because um, they know. <laughs> yes, they know the yes. challenges, yeah. Yeah, and I suppose the the nice thing about starting an online business, um, the sort of passive style is that you don't need to make the jump right away. That yeah. you can you can wait until you start to get a little bit of money in the door uh, and see how that sits with you. Absolutely, um, and and this is what you're hoping people will take away that they will feel inspired, feel ready as well to kind of go, okay, I'm I'm ready for this. I can even make the first steps into into starting an online business. Absolutely, because, you know, it is a new year. I think there is definitely an energy out there that people want to get cracking. They want to get working. They want to kind of work towards their goals. And at the end of the day, like we only have one life and, you know, we have to we have to live it. And a life unlived is the greatest tragedy, isn't it? Oh, that is so true. I'm going to put that in my wall, that mantra. I love that. Uh, Now, I can't have you on this show without asking you about writing and knowing you, Fiona, you are busy beavering away on another novel as well as everything else. I am, I am. So my next book, Supper for Six, is out in June. Oh, fantastic. Um, so it's available to pre-order for anyone who really wants to be in their early doors. So Supper for Six, it's the sequel to um, Elizabeth Chalice's Oh, very good. For yes. Murder. So we meet Elizabeth uh, 20 years later after we last saw her in Italy. So she's in London. She's invited to a dinner party in a very glamorous Mayfair. And uh, the hostess asked for her help with something. But... Mm. Of course, there's a problem. Of course, there's a mystery or something. Yeah, with you, there definitely is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there's a power cut. There's a power cut. And, you know, Anything could happen. Anything could happen. Well, do you know, I thought of you the other day. We were watching, uh, speaking about Netflix and everything else, we were talking about The Glass Onion and Knives Out. We were watching this uh, the other night and I thought instantly of you. Have you seen this? Because this is right in up your alley. (laughs) It, it is. It is right up there. And to be honest, sometimes I find that I can't watch or read a mystery when I'm writing oh, because of course. It, I, it's too close to me. Yes. So I have been saving up Glass Onion now because I know I'll enjoy it. But also I watch it and I'm like, why did I not use that in that book? Or why did I not use here there? Or that character. And the awesome thing is, I can never really guess who done it. Well, do you know what? I, yeah, I was I, on one thread with this. I don't want to spoil too much, but I was on one thread with this and then it completely, it goes in a mad way that you're not actually expecting. It's very, very good and it's very that's kind of... Skill. Yeah. That's the skill, that, yeah. That's it. From word go, you're kind of sucked into it. It's, it's absolutely brilliant. Uh, so getting back to the workshop, people need to book their place. They can do that by emailing you, yes? 
Yeah, it's book. Now, I, I only have 10 places because I want to make sure that we have a nice number and we yeah. can all kind of work collaboratively and cover a lot of ground. And actually, to be honest, there is a lot that I think people can learn from each other and their own life experiences. Of course, yeah. So it's uh, 10 people and it's from half nine until four o'clock on February the 4th. And you can book by emailing me at fionasherlock at gmail.com. And um, it should be a great day and there'll be plenty of teas and coffees and, and, and lunch. So there's no hungry bellies yes, that's uh, on the day. So. <laughs> Keep it, keeping us fueled, absolutely. Fiona, as always, thank you so, so much for joining us and the best of luck with the novel. We'll be back to you to talk about that and uh, this uh, fantastic workshop happening in February. Thanks a million. Thank you, Snave. Thanks Thank a million. You. Bye, bye, bye. Fiona Sherlock there. So the workshop, 10 places, okay? If you feel, okay, I could do this. I could start an online business. This is for you. Happening at the New Grange Hotel from 9.30 to 4. As Fiona says there, her email is the best way to, to book with her, okay? So she's Fiona M. Sherlock at gmail.com and we'll keep that detail of her email here at reception as well. Eleven to one. Time to go back in time now. LMFM Northeast Update with Senator Windows. Senator Windows products will help you create a secure, comfortable, energy efficient home you're proud of. Call 0818 On this day in 1886, the strange case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde was uh, by Robert Robert Louis Stevenson was published. And today is Whipped Cream Day. Now, you might think that whipped cream is a relatively modern culinary invention, but in fact, it dates back to the 16th century. There you go. LMFM Northeast Update with Senator Windows. Creating the perfect home is a journey. Let us guide you. Visit our Drogheda, Dundalk and new Navin showrooms. Discover more at senatorwindows.ie. We spoke to this lady back in November. I promised we'd bring her back on the show again. We're going to be chatting to transformation coach Neve Ennis. She's going to be getting us unstuck for 2023. That's all coming your way after 12. On air online on your smart speaker, this is LMFM. Sinead Brazel here with you. You're listening to 11 to 1. That was Ellie Golding. Love me like you do. Now it's time for some celebrity news. The Buzz on LMFM. Keep up to date with all the latest news and gossip on the LMFM app. Hi, I'm Crossy. Ray will support Lewis Capaldi on his tour this year. They're set to play the Three Arena at the end of January. Ray publicly parted ways with her label last year and since then has had a number one song with escapism. She's been talking about listening to her own advice. If you have that feeling in your heart, in your gut, that is like, this is my purpose in life, then just see it through. Because have you ever seen that? Um, there's like a meme on um, Instagram that I always see and I absolutely love it. It's like a guy like digging for diamonds... And then we can see that he's about to stumble on the biggest diamond and he puts his axe down and turns away because he's had enough digging. It's just like, if this is what your purpose is, just don't stop. Prince Harry's brand new book, Spare, is out next week. A section of the book was leaked overnight and it says Harry and Will had a fight. The leak says Harry was physically attacked and it led to him being knocked to the ground in 2019. The fight started when William called Meghan Markle difficult, rude and abrasive. Spare is out on the 10th. The Banshees of Inishiran is getting ready for awards season. You can stream it now on Disney+. Plus. A clip has surfaced of Colin Farrell talking about saying hello to all the animals on the island every day that they filmed. I ran the length and breadth of both the islands that we shot on and every single animal I passed I said hello to. And every single one of them on my own, whether it was at night or in the afternoon. How are you lads? How are you fellas? How are you? So it's not like I was, but I, I, I had this connection to the natural world and connection to my own, not loneliness, but my own aloneness. Yeah. It was very powerful. That's The Buzz. I'm Crossy. The Buzz on LMFM. Keep up to date with all the latest news and gossip on the LMFM app. Another reason to like Colin Farrell. He's just, you know, a big fan of animals. Now, I was surprised this didn't come up on The Buzz, uh, but this is very unusual and I'm sure Kerry Gold is buzzing about this. We know it's the most important kitchen staple, right? You know, it's a great, great ingredient. But little did I think 
think that none other than the Kardashians would be using Kerrygold butter. Maybe because there's a K in it. I don't know. But there you go. Apparently, Courtney Kardashian Barker uh, shared on her TikTok account, right? They were doing a recipe, uh, baking cookies, and they reached for a stick of Kerrygold as part of the process. I mean, fantastic. I mean, look at Kerrygold butter. Need I say any more? It's absolutely fantastic. Gorgeous. But little do they know, Kardashians would also be liking a bit of Kerrygold. No doubt Kerrygold are delighted and will probably have it on their own social media there as well. But fantastic. I didn't know you could, could you get it in America. Kerrygold, where did they get it? Who knows? But there you go. It's on the TikTok account for her recipe for... Um, Cookies. And in fairness, I thought it was going to be like, you know, no sugar and all this kind of stuff. But actually, in fairness, the recipe looks quite good as well. So for the cookies. So there you go. We'll have the Kerrygold ticked in anyway. That's for sure. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Before Christmas, we chatted to Neve Sheeran Ennis. She is a transformation coach and through her own private practice and her writing and her programmes and workshop and she even has a podcast, she has helped thousands of people make significant changes in their lives. This book, it's called Get Unstuck, Ditch Your Drama and Move From Your Pain to Power is the book that you need if you're going through anything in your life. So it could be a trauma. It could be something where you're just, you feel like you're just drifting through your life and you don't know what your purpose is and you don't like your job and you're not happy maybe in your relationship. All of that. And it breaks it all down to you. Uh, I have it here in my hands. It's fantastic. I've been really glued to it the last while. Uh, I promised Neve that we'd bring her back and delve into more of the issues, including people pleasing and other things that we uh, uncover in the book. We're going to chat to Neve after these. It's the best time of the year to have this lady back on the show. Her book, which is just brilliant, it will inspire you. It's called Get Unstuck, Ditch Your Drama and Move From Pain to Power. I had to have her back with me. We're chatting with Neve Sheeran Ennis. She's the leading change and transformation coach. She's on the line with me now. How are we getting on, Neve? Good morning, Sinead. Good morning to you and your listeners. Great to have you back on the programme. Now, I'm going to get straight into this because the last time we fast ran out of time. We're going to go to page 87 in the book, right? And in this little exercise, it says, if we weren't afraid about what others would think, if their opinions didn't matter, what is it we would most do with our lives. Now, talk to me about this because I find this is an issue that women will mainly find themselves faced with. You know, we're stopping ourselves from moving forward, from pursuing our purpose out of fear of what others are thinking about us. Absolutely. And look at that fear of judgment, I think, is, as you say, is very, very present in all our lives. And and yet, you know, when when we pair it right back and even when, when I'm working with clients and I, I ask them what appears to be the most simple of questions, what is it that you want to do or how is it that you want to show up? It's the answers that we give to that question primarily without us even being conscious of it are so influenced by what other people think what other people expect of us, what we what we see and observe other people wanting. And it, it moves us and, and takes us further away from being able to answer the question of what is it that we want. So an, a, another great way of, of phrasing that question would be to ask yourself, if you had no fear and there were no obstacles, what is it that you would do with your life? You know, how would you show up? What would you change? How would you wish to feel? Because it's only then when we go internally and when we ask ourselves the question about, you know, what is it that I want? It it frees us up from being so aware and so influenced by other people's judgments. Oh, you're so right, because even in my own life, just relating it back a little bit, uh, you know, when I say went for this job after being behind the scenes for so long, I immediately thought, well, who does she think she is now thinking that she's going to be on the radio? So it it kind of, it it jumps into your mind straight away, doesn't it? This kind of negative. And look, I I honestly think we're conditioned to kind of think like that. And, and, you know, you can call that imposter syndrome even using that example that you have there. But like even at its its most basic, it's, it, it almost comes back down to, you know, what, what do you feel safe saying? How do you mm. feel safe, you know, showing up or feeling? And 
And if you're constantly led or influenced by what other people think, or, you know, the Irishness there, it's about she's, she has notions. Oh, yeah. You know, if, if you're afraid of that, and, and it's natural to be, to be somewhat conscious of that. You know, let's not pretend that we, we are going to suddenly wake up and, and be totally different people and not care what other people think. But it's how you let those judgments and opinions impact on your life to the point where it influences what you do. Yeah, and it's holding you back. This is the thing. And, you know, I see this as well very often with friends, particularly like they have a life plan, you know. They need to tick every box because society says you must be married, having children by 30. You need to be yeah. at this stage in your career. Is is it kind of is this societal pressures, do you find, mainly are the reasons why people might not say, I don't know, go for a promotion Definitely. or, yeah. you know, get out there and find a new relationship, that kind of thing? Absolutely. No, you've totally nailed it there. And like, if you think of our lives now and, and how influenced we are by social media oh, yeah. and how, how there's just no escaping from us being able to see and witness and observe what other people are doing. And that without, again, without us even being conscious of it, but that to us becomes the norm and that sets the precedent and where it leaves us thinking, well, if other people are doing that, I should be doing that. If other people want that, I should want that. And so that that's where it comes back to getting, you know, particularly this time of the year is a good time to sit down and get really clear yeah. on, on what on what your values are. And what, when I talk about values, I'm not necessarily talking about values that we remember as, as children, you know, being honest and being kind and, and all of that good stuff, which is really important and I'm not saying it isn't. But what I'm talking about here is getting really clear on what matters most to you right now. Mm. Uh, it, you know, where you are in your life at this stage, at your age, at, you know, doing what you're doing in your career, what matters most to you right now? And when you get really clear on what that is, and that then informs what your values are for you right now, that helps you you know, it really helps you when it comes to making decisions. It helps you when it comes to, you know, deciding in yourself how you're going to show up, what you want to work at. So, you know, I, I really would say to people to go right back to the, the basics, get very clear on, on what your values are. And, and when you think about your values, ask yourself, what matters most to me right now? I love that. Now, another part of the book uh, to to discuss, and I think this is really important because so many people do this. This is people pleasing. It's an unfortunate pattern of behaviour people find themselves in. So what is it, first of all? And also tell me, because you've got five different types of people pleaser, which I didn't (laughs) realise there was. (laughs) Oh, I know. No. And look, you know, people pleasing, I I think it is important to say that it's not it's not necessarily saying that it's a bad thing for you, but we have to watch it and we have to to watch, you know, how um, how presence it is in our lives. So basically a people pleaser to my, in my mind is someone who constantly does everything that they can just to make other people happy. So mm. they'll often go out of their way to please somebody, even if it means making large, huge, significant personal sacrifices and using up their own time and, and, and resources. And yet, if you think about it, we teach other people how to treat us by how we treat ourselves. So if we're constantly, you know, uh, putting ourselves out for other people, and I'm not talking about like acts of kindness or mm. I'm not talking about, you know, the responsibilities that we all have. If you're a mother, you've responsibilities to your children and as children, we've responsibilities to, to our parents as well. So I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about, you know, those people in our lives that we just feel constantly take advantage of us. That we're, when we find ourselves unable to say no and end yeah. up saying yes to everything and then feeling resentment and feeling, you know, just feeling being totally taken for granted and taken advantage of. So, you know, that's what, to me, where the, the people-pleasing part of it comes in. And, and, you know, it is about teaching people how we want to be treated. So in terms of the five types of, of people-pleasers that, that there are, and look, these aren't definitive, but yeah. these are the, the five I feel best explain it. The original, or what I call the OG, is is the people pleaser that they're just so damn nice. 
They're very, they're very good to people. They're always tripping over themselves, trying to keep everyone around them happy. So their ultimate aim is trying to keep everyone else happy. And they're the ones that, you know, that might constantly be sending messages into the group app so as not to leave anyone out. They're the ones, uh, and I'm guilty of this myself, that spend hours inputting everyone's birthday into their phone. Oh my God, so I, do that. Can, I do that. I do that. Yeah, yes, I yeah. know. <laughs> and, uh, and again, that's why I'm saying it's not always a bad thing. I yes. think that's a lovely trait. And, yes. and it, can, it can have such a knock-on benefit. But, you know, that, that's kind of the, the trait of the original, the OG. Okay. And, and their purpose in life, you know, as they see it, is to ensure that everyone else is happy. So then the next type is, is, is sort of, it's a, it's a derivation of the OG, and that's called the smoothie. And these are the people that you want around when rows are breaking out because, okay. you know, they're the, they're the pacifier. They're the one that wants everyone to get along and they smooth over all disagreements and they work on the basis. If you're happy, they're happy. So, you know, a smoothie is a good person to have around, particularly if, if you're, you know, in a family setup that can be a bit contentious. The third type then would be the great pretender. And oh, yeah. and I would always think of the great pretender as, as almost like the denier. Yeah. So they're the ones that come across as very tough and confident and appear that they have everything under control and they're little interest in the definitions of people pleasing, etc. And and they would very often even pretend that they don't know what it means. Okay. But actually, in fact, they're avoiding having to confront the reality. Right. And, and this is their unique way of staying safe and protecting themselves and, and leading, you know, working on the basis that apathy is the best defence. So look out for the great pretenders in your life because they are all around us. And, um, uh, you know, I think it can really help somebody if you can pull them out from that denial uh, denial phase as well. Yes, absolutely. And so... So then the fourth type is what I term the support act. So they're, they're the people pleaser that dim their light so that other people can shine. Oh, I know they're, so many of them, yeah. Yes, yes. And, and, and I think as well, you know, I identify with this one at, at a certain time in my life as well. So I think we can see ourselves in all parts of these. But, but you know, these are the people that they see themselves as having primarily a supportive function. But, but they use that supportive function as a deeply bonding exercise. So they're the, they're the perfect number two. They're the per, perfect personal assistant. And they okay. take that role really seriously. But we also have to watch out for that they're not just doing that to prove themselves indispensable, to prove yes. themselves necessary. So, you know, there, there's a cautionary tale in, in, that, um, in, in that group of people as well. And then the fifth and final one, which was one that I actually added on after I had, I had created these groups, is the recovering people pleaser. So they're the, the people I think like, you know, like many of us here that have already started to do the work around healing their behaviours in some shape or form. Um, But it's very likely that they've struggled with people pleasing at some point or another. And so by being aware that you're a recovering people pleaser, it just helps you notice and, and maybe throw up a couple of red flags when things start to, when you can feel yourself slipping back into your old habits. Well, that's exactly um, it, isn't it? You don't want to yeah. be doing that. Absolutely. And one of the ways uh, that the book makes sure that we don't do this, not only with all the tools that are at the end of each chapter, but uh, you have a whole chapter in uh, Get Unstuck about tough love. And, you yeah. know, you really, in your lovely way, Eve, but you really, <laughs> you really give people tough love. And, you know, you would have had to experience tough love yourself, not to allow the grief and then eventual anger at what happened to you take over. Tough love is so necessary. It is. And, and again, you know, I think it, it's important to caveat this at the start or to preempt it at the beginning by saying that like, I'm not talking to people that are it, it, very much in the immediate aftermath of grief or mm. that have just recently 
come through a traumatic event or, or, or a very difficult life-changing event. But I'm talking to the people that maybe, you know, are, are a little bit down the path, maybe two, yeah. three, four years down the road, which is where I was when I really started to, to become aware that actually I needed to start practicing some tough love on myself. And, you know, having had three very close bereavements in, in, a, in a close period of time, it was a life-changing event. But, but I think what's really important when you're coming out of any difficult um, experience is that you have to try and stop yourself from from attempting to go back to being the person Mm. you were before the event happened or before the person that that you love died or before, you know, your marriage broke down. Because the, the reality, and this is where you have to be tough on yourself, is to acknowledge and accept that that person is gone, that yeah. that person has been changed, that you've been changed by the experience, by, you know, everything that you've gone through. So rather than trying to get yourself back to being how you were before, you need to be tough with yourself and say, right, now, what what do I want for myself next? How am I going to show up next? And And in my case, it was also having to admit that I had become very addicted to the sympathy because, you know, I was constantly receiving sympathy from people mm. about, oh, my God, you're the girl that lost the fiancé and the mum and the dad all in a very short space of time. But actually, you know, that's not empowering and that's not actually in the long term very helpful because what, what you need is to be able to have somebody say, look, at, I, I see you, I feel your pain, uh, you know, I, I can only imagine how tough this is for you. But what can I do to help you to start moving on? What can I do that will help help you start, you know, rewriting or writing your your next chapter, your new future? And and that's really important because otherwise we can just find ourselves slipping into what what could be termed as victimhood. Mm. You know that that you you and and I remember thinking this at the time, it's like I had actually forgotten who I was without the grief. I'd forgotten who I was without the sympathy because I had just become so used to it. And the way, and, you, and put you, that, the way you put that in the book as well, you know, you were almost waiting uh, for the sideways tilt of the head and the all pointing. Yes, it's it's yes. put across so beautifully the way you say it. Yes. And, and look, at it, I think it's it's so true when, when we all think about even if we're the person that's offering the sympathy, not not just the yeah. receiver of it, but we all, like, it, there is something about that expression of like, and how are you? Yes. You know, you have that pained look on your face and then <laughs> And the head tilt. And it's it's almost like that's what we're supposed to do. And But, you know, without being flippant about it, you can get very used to that. Used you can get that. very attached to that. And and that's why, like, I think I say in that same chapter that, it's you know, we don't ever, um, we're, a lot of this is tied up to that fear of abandonment and, mm. and, and many of those abandonment issues that, that we all have. But the truth of it is that you, you or I are never abandoned. We abandon ourselves and, and by being aware and being, being conscious and being, being proactive about what, what do I need to do? We're ensuring that we don't abandon ourselves in the process. Um, and because if we abandon ourselves, then the risk is we're going to lose ourselves through the sadness and to the, the the life-changing events that are happening around us. Absolutely. Neve. as always, so much to take from that today and we only delved into a tiny bit of the chapters. <laughs> but thank you so, so much for joining us as always and the best of luck with this book and everything going forward. Thank you so much, Sinead. It was really, really great to speak with you. So thank you. Thank you so much. Neve Ennis, I highly recommend this book. For anybody that's just a bit sort of drifting around, not sure what where you're going in life. For anybody, this book is for anybody. You'll get something from it, I promise you that. Get Unstuck, Ditch Your Drama, Move From Pain to Power. It's by Neve Sheeran Ennis. It's in all bookshops now. The competition to find Ireland's most eligible bachelor, the Westmead Bachelor Competition 2023, will be getting underway. And Louis Walsh is a judge. We're going to be chatting to him about that very, very shortly. But first, back to the music. Here's Dermot Kennedy with Kiss Me on LMFM's 11 to 1. 
There's Gemma Kennedy, Kiss Me. He had an absolutely brilliant 2022. I'd say he's lining up for a great 2023 as well. Fantastic new album out now as well. That's taken from a Kiss Me. Now, the beautiful women of Ireland have always had their chance to shine in many pageants, you know, Rosa Tralee, Ladies Day, that kind of thing. Now it's time, though, for the men of Ireland to step into the spotlight, show the nation what they have. They have what they take to be the face of Ireland's modern man because the competition is back. I love this. The Westmeath Bachelor Competition 2023, it's on the lookout for applicants. What better person to judge the contestants than a veteran of spotting talent? Louis Walsh, he's joining Anne Doyle again on the panel this year, but he's on the line with me now. How are you getting on, Louis? Sinead, good morning, Happy New Year and all that. Yeah, and we're talking about the Mullingar Westmead Bachelor Festival. I went down last year, Sinead, to judge it, and I I didn't know what it was going to be like, you know. And I knew Anne Doyle was going to be there and Nathan Carter. And we had the best fun because it was like the Rosa Tralee, but it was all men. And they had to sing or they had to dance or they had to tell stories. And it was great fun. It was brilliant fun. And it happened in the town of Mullingar. A guy called Thomas Nally organized it. And it's brilliant. And I think it could be a big annual event. And then around it, they do like music. Yeah, it's like a full on festival. Well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think he's adding up some big acts, you know. So it's great for Ireland. And it's so handy to get it because it's in the centre of the country, you know. Yeah, absolutely. In the centre of the town. Now, as you say, it's kind of run a little bit similar to the Rose of Chalice. They need to have their party piece. So what kind of thing did people perform for you last year? Well, we had singing and we had dancing. We had a magician. We had comedians. We had an awful lot of characters. And it was like from all over. They came from all over the world. And I think it's just the tip of the iceberg. I think it could be, I think it could be really, really funny because these people just walk out and be entertained. And, you know, if we like them, we, we pick the winner. And we picked a guy from Kerry last year. And he was a really good guy. Yeah, he was uh, an accordion player or something as well, wasn't he? Yes, he yeah. was good. But he, he, he had character and he was funny, you know. And he was a unanimous winner. But, you know, we're hoping for bigger and better this year. Oh, definitely. And what I love about this is that you had contestants right up to people in their 60s taking part in this, which is brilliant. Anybody can do it. Anybody, anybody from anywhere around the country or the world can come along. And um, it's fun. And I think it'd be a brilliant TV show because um, it shows the humour that the Irish people have and stuff, you know. Absolutely. And look, watch this space, Louis. They could, they could absolutely tele- televise it. So could a competition like this be a good launching pad for somebody now that wants to get into showbiz? If they were young enough and good enough, absolutely, yeah. yeah. You never know. You just don't know. It's like it's like a big brother or a celebrity and any of these shows. It's it's a launch and it starts people off and it gives them the confidence. Totally. Well, that's what you need. And I, I read a story in The Sun at the weekend, over the bank holiday weekend, and you pop up in Bono's new book. Tell me about this because this is a brilliant story. True story, Sinead. It's about 30 years ago. <laughs> I was in Captain America's in Grafton Street. Uh, I used to go in there all the time. It was a great, great place. And there was four guys at the next table, and they were talking out loud. They were talking about having to change their manager. I knew there were you two, but nobody really else knew them and stuff. And so we have to change our manager. They were talking about who they were going to get, because they weren't happy with Paul McGuinness. So I heard Paul McGuinness, and my... I, my ears just went, what? Because I knew Paul and I knew how much he believed in them then. And guess what I did? I went over and said to them, guys, you don't know me, but you cannot change your manager. Paul McGuinness is the man to get you to the top. Wow. And he was, and I was right. And I'd forgotten all about it, but then Bono mentioned it on the Late Late Show a few years ago, and now it's in this book, you know? I love that it's in the book. And as you say, you were just kind of, they didn't know you at this stage. They, they... didn't know me. I wasn't, I, I was just working with show bands then. Yeah. But I knew Paul McGuinness, and I knew, I knew he, he believed in this band that nobody knew, or would, they were doing no business. But um, that, that was what he had. He had great belief. Yeah, and who would have thought, you know, as well, like had they gone with the, with another option that they were thinking of, they might not have become they the absolute global they stars they are. Yeah, they wouldn't. He got them there. He he was he was a fantastic. He's a, he's a world class manager. He really really is, and uh, Bono knows that. Well, that's fantastic that you're included in there, Lou. I love that. Now, you were flat out uh, last year. No doubt, twenty twenty three is going to be another huge yeah. year, particularly well, for Westlife we had- as well. 
we had a huge year. We played in Cork and Dublin and Belfast and even New Year's Eve. Every gig with Westlife was the best fun this year because they just did all the hits. People sang along and it was just like a great, great party. And I mean, you know, they can go on forever. It's 23 years later. Yes. And they're as good as they ever were, if oh, not better. Better. I would say they really are, Louis. And that's testament to the guys putting in the work and yourself as well. They, they I, work. They work hard and they get on great and they just get out there and they do all the songs that everybody loves and it's like the soundtrack to everybody's life. It really is, it really is. But I have to ask you, I know they're flying it with the tour and everything else, but is there any sort of new music happening or can you give me any exclusive on that? Well, they did an album last year. Um, I know they plan to do a Christmas album sometime. I don't know when it's going to be. Um, But they they have their biggest year ever this year because they're going to China, Asia, everywhere, Japan, you name it, they're going there. Amazing. And so, are the fans, so like, big, I mean, they're, they're as obviously as big worldwide now, really, as well as you two, are they? Um, it's a different type of thing. Yeah. It's a totally different type of thing. But in Asia, they play stadiums and they're just so big over there. Oh, that's People fantastic. People have no idea. It's great. That's fantastic. And there's a lot news. of great new Irish talent out there, you know, Codaline and Picture This and Dermot Kennedy and Hosier. There's so many great people in a small little island. Which is great to see. It really is. It is great it's to see. It's fantastic. Uh, so getting back to this now, uh, because uh, we, we need Holy to get God. a bit, a bit of details into this. So what's the story? How do people apply or what do they, do they just, is it an application form or do they have to There's send an in anything? They apply online. Look it up. It's Westmead Basher. Thomas Nally is the guy in charge. Okay. He's the brainchild behind the whole thing. And I know it's, it's Bank Holiday Sunday, isn't it? Yes, right? yes, it is. Yeah, it is yeah, Bank Holiday yeah. Sunday, yeah. And I know Anne Doyle is booked as well with me. And there's two other celebrity type judges Ooh. to be announced. I don't know who they are. Okay, okay, so we have to watch this space on that one. But Louis, yeah. as always, lovely chatting with you. No date, this is going to be a great festival in April. It Thank you so be. much for it joining me. It will be. Um, and thank you very much, Neil. I keep playing the Irish record. I will indeed. No problem. Thanks a million, Louis Walsh there. Do you think you have what it takes? Of course you do. Westmeadbachelorfestival.ie. Okay, that's where the website is. It's happening over the Bank Holiday Sunday, April 30th. But there's a whole festival around that for that whole weekend. Or you can email info at westmeadbachelorfestival.ie. Oh. Paddy Casey, Saints and Sinners bringing the show to a close. Tomorrow, our regular Friday favourites will be back. Niall O'Brien will be here talking movies and Fionn has another great Friday floor feller that's coming your way from tomorrow. For now, it's goodbye for me. Eleven to one with Gilmore's Mercedes-Benz Kings Court. Visit our showrooms to see the amazing range of Mercedes-Benz cars, or choose from our huge selection of used Mercedes-Benz vehicles. Gilmore's Mercedes-Benz Kings Court, the best in motoring here for you. L-M-F-M. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.